It was good. Did I hear a, a extra syllable in there? Commandments? Is that a word? <laughs> musicians just do whatever they want. But as we look into God's word this morning for the next few minutes, let's approach uh, our Lord in prayer. Father, we do come before you now. We thank you for this day. We thank you for every day. Lord, we thank you for this hour. We thank you for this time to gather with your people. Lord, we pray that, that you have been exalted, that Christ has been glorified, and we pray that you would speak to us now through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, our topic for this morning is one that is particularly dear to me, because every time I think about the task that is before us, every time I see in Scripture the, the call and the commission to which we've been called and commissioned, overwhelmed by the need to hear and to respond to the love of God that has been displayed through the gospel of Christ. Reconvicted and re-gripped by the task at hand for those that know and follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I think it all comes back to what we think about this book and what we do with the words and the message that are found in this book. Do I really believe in the message and the authority that's found in God's Word? Do we really believe the the claims of Scripture about itself? And to believe those claims is a rather bold thing to do. After all, we live in a time in which it's criticized to to look at anything as a single and authoritative and final truth source. To, To do so is seen as simplistic and foolish. And even more so to to regard one particular truth source as more important, as more authoritative concerning God's truth than all other truth sources. Yet, for century after century, Christians around the world have believed just that. And that is the heartbeat of what is communicated to us through God's Word. It's a reminder for us that Society does not determine truth. Culture does not determine truth. Culture certainly seeks truth and interprets truth and may apply truth and even attempt to alter truth. But culture does not determine truth. Only God determines truth. And the Word of God, the Bible, Scripture is. So important for us because it contains the most important message of truth, the message of life, the message of salvation, the message of reconciliation between broken sinners and a perfect and holy and righteous God. 
In our passage of Scripture this morning, and really throughout God's Word, we see that, that those who have, by God's grace, heard the message of the Gospel, heard the message of salvation, and have by God's grace responded to that message of being convicted of sin and repenting of sin and placing faith in Christ have indeed been entrusted with an enormous task, an enormous responsibility. Those that know that message have been entrusted with a message to declare to the peoples of the earth. We, as the people of God, gathered together this morning, know a marvelous message, giving us a missional mandate. We know a marvelous message, giving us a missional mandate. And this mission and this mandate are found throughout God's Word, found throughout Scripture, but in Romans chapter 10 intersect, they weave around each other like Highway 31 and Interstate 65. They intersect like a hot fudge brownie with a scoop of vanilla ice cream on top or like a bowl of Cheerios with milk poured on top. When you have one, you have the other. The two things just go together. And the same thing ought to be true for us as the people of God. If we know this message... If we've understood this message, if we've responded with faith in Christ to this message, then a certain missional lifestyle ought to be evident in all that we do. And as we look at Romans chapter 10 this morning, I invite you to turn there and to to look with me at God's Word and to follow along with me in God's Word. And I want four questions really to sort of guide our examination and Interpretation of God's Word found in Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 5. And these four questions uh, I want to pose. One, what is this marvelous message? What is this message? Number two, what, what is the appropriate response to this message? Number three, who is this message for? And fourthly, who is to deliver this message? Romans chapter 10, beginning in Verse 5, look with me at God's word. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or who will ascend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. So what is this marvelous message? What is this good message? It is the message that holds us together as professing Christians. The message that informs our gatherings week after week after week. This message is that righteousness comes by faith in the risen Lord Jesus. Righteousness comes by faith in the risen Lord Jesus. In Romans chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, it's a contrast given. Two types of righteousness, two ways to attain righteousness that are set before us. The first is righteousness that is by the law, verse 5. We read there that the person who does these things, quoting the Old Testament, Old Testament book of Leviticus, the person who does these things, the person that, that does the law will live by the law. And this way of thinking, this way of understanding is not so foreign to us. This is the way that we operate most of the time in the world. To abide by a certain list of rules and regulations to inform our behavior, to to guide our behavior. And Scripture is saying here, Paul is saying here, quoting Moses in the Old Testament, that the person who does that will indeed live by that law. We see this all over the world, which is why most of the religions of the world teach a system that says work and do and work and do and work and do in order to to achieve an award, a reward, or to inherit salvation, or perhaps rebirth as something better, maybe ultimately a state of bliss or nirvana. But according to God's word, according to Paul's letter to the Romans, there's a problem with that understanding. And the problem is not so much the rules and regulations. The problem is not that the law is imperfect or that God's standard is not right or good enough. The problem is us. But none of us has lived up to that standard. No one has lived up to God's perfect standard and no one will live up to God's standard on our own because we have this problem in us called sin. Romans chapter 1 verse twenty. One, for although they knew God, for although humanity knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Romans chapter 3, verse, verses 10 through 12, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. How many of you parents have ever raised a child who always did what you asked of them every single time? Anyone? Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about after you put your daughter in time out for some length of time or after you wore out your son's backside. I'm talking about 
everything you asked of them. They, they responded by doing. No questions asked. No fits thrown. No mouthing off. Of course, none of us have raised children like that. If you think you've raised a child like that, then you're a bit delusional because children just don't do that sort of thing. They require love and discipline and and teaching and then they might do what we say some of the time, right? It's so interesting how we're so quick to, to notice the faults and the mistakes and the shortcomings in others, be they children or adults or whoever, yet often so so slow to recognize our own faults and our own shortcomings and our own failures before a perfect God who requires perfect obedience in His people. I'm so thankful that, that living up to God's standard, standard of perfection, living up to God's standard of righteousness is not the only way to be found righteous or perfect before God. Because if that was the case, I have already screwed that up. Thankfully, knowing this, before the foundation of the world, God devised another plan, a better plan, a rescue plan that involved Him coming to us, giving His life for us, in order that all who place their faith in Him might be considered righteous, might be found perfect, might be found justified in His sight. Righteousness by faith in the only righteous one, the only one who's lived up to God's perfect standard, and His name is Jesus. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus is is present. It is available. It is extended to us through the message of the gospel, the marvelous message of righteousness through faith in Jesus. And as, as people who gather in the name of God week after week after week, we have no excuse for not knowing this message. We're not knowing the message of the gospel. So folks, let's learn the gospel message. Let's learn the gospel message. The the message that extends salvation and forgiveness and reconciliation to us through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ in our place. A a message of hope. A life-changing and life-giving message that holds the key to altering our position before a mighty judge who requires his defendants to be perfect as He indeed is perfect. What is the marvelous message? It's the righteousness comes by faith through the risen Lord Jesus. Now what is the appropriate response to that message? In Romans chapter 10, we see two responses that are laid out. First is a positive response, and it's conveyed in verses 9 through 13. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference 
Between Jew and Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the first response, the best response, most appropriate response to the life-giving, the life-changing message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ is to respond to Christ with faith. To respond to Christ by recognizing that He is indeed Lord, that He is God, that He is Savior, that He is the one that has died in our place and calls us to follow Him as His people, to experience new life in Him, eternal life in Him, the hope of salvation through Him. This is more than mental acknowledgement of certain things about Christ must involve more than the mind. It involves the heart we see here in Romans chapter 5. Just trust in Christ for your salvation. Trust in Christ as Jesus and as Lord. And all who, who trust in Him, all who respond to Him in faith, are justified and saved according to the Word of God. Faith in Jesus Christ results in justification and salvation. Faith in Christ results in justification and salvation because according to Scripture, all of those that come to Christ recognize their need of Christ and repent of sin and turn to Him, receive an exchange. An exchange that is solely based on the grace of God. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that God made him who knew no sin or who had no sin, Christ, to be sin for us so that in him we might become his righteousness. Our sin for Christ's perfection, for Christ's innocence, for Christ's righteousness before a mighty God, That is a good deal. Going from unforgiven to forgiven. Going from dead in sins to alive in God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Going from being under the judgment of God on the road to receiving the deserved judgment of God to under the grace of God. Going from guilty to innocent through through the bloodshed of Christ and our faith response. To Christ. Appropriate response to the marvelous message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ is to put one's faith in Jesus Christ. But who can respond to such a message? Who is this message for? It's unlike many other offers in the world. It's it's not like an, an unusually low rate credit card for those that have an exceptional credit score. It's it's unlike perhaps a certain university scholarship that's reserved for someone of a particular minority. It's unlike a, a senior discount on a cup of coffee at McDonald's because this message is for all. The same offer available to anyone who will respond with faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like a a student who's learning a new language and 
repeating things over and over and over again, repeating certain words over and over and over again in a way to to learn them. Paul does not want us to miss the heartbeat of what he's saying here in verse 11 and 12 and 13. His scripture says, anyone who believes, no difference between Jew and Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is for all who put their faith in Jesus. Extended to all who put their faith in Jesus. This is a message that is to be delivered, is to be proclaimed, is to be shared with all people, regardless of age, regardless of nationality, regardless of background. This message is to be delivered to the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the American and the Asian, the black and the white. This is a message for all people. And it would be foolish of me to assume this morning that in a room gathered like this one, on this day, even in a church gathering, that all here have heard and responded to this message by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've heard this message and you know this message and you've heard it time and time and time again, but you've never fully understood and responded to Christ with heartfelt trust in Him for salvation with giving your life to Him for salvation, if that is you, then respond to the gospel message today. Respond to the gospel message today. Respond by crying out to God for salvation. Respond by trusting in Him for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved according to Scripture. For Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Respond to the message of the Gospel today. And perhaps you have responded to that message before. Let's respond to it again. Every time we hear the message of the Gospel, every time we sing about it, every time we read about it, every time we think about it, let's respond by by reorienting our lives around the truth claims of that message. By reorienting our goals and our ambitions and our finances and our dreams, our lives around the message of the gospel. Folks, if you know the marvelous message, then then you've been given a missional mandate, a mandate, a calling, a commission that cannot be ignored. And who then is to deliver this message. Who is to deliver this marvelous message? And according to Scripture, according to Romans 10 and and elsewhere, it's you and I. We are to deliver this message. The saved must proclaim the message of salvation. The saved, people who have placed their faith in Christ for salvation then are responsible for for spreading that message among all people. And if we recognize what has taken place in our own lives, if we recognize that the sovereign God who fashions life out of the dust of the ground, the one who holds the world in His hands, who has not looked on us as as we deserve, but has 
looked on us with love and compassion and great mercy, so much so that He came to us and lived among us, laid down His life as the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. If we have recognized the reality of that truth and responded with faith in Christ, then we will not be able to help ourselves. We will, like Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, when they were arrested for sharing the gospel of Christ, be compelled to share that message with others. Because we recognize that apart from the grace of God, apart from someone else sharing that message to us, we would not have heard of the gospel and we certainly would not have responded to the gospel. And likewise, those that have not heard and responded, rightly understanding the marvelous message of grace through Christ, are lost without hearing that message. Folks, we, we know this message giving us a mandate, a glorious mandate, an opportunity and privilege to share this truth with others. Romans chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring Good news. I want to introduce you to a new friend of mine. His picture should be on the screens. This is Ramon standing outside of his modest one-room home, small village just outside of Guaymaca, Honduras. And I say new friend of mine because I, I just met him September 16th of this year, exactly two months ago today. And several of us we privileged to, to meet Ramon several weeks ago as we went from house to house with a gift of rice and beans with the hopes of sharing the message of the gospel with those that we encountered. As we knocked on Ramon's door and he answered, began sharing with him why we had come from the U.S. through a translator and telling him about this message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't long before Ramon sort of perked up and smiled and responded back to us through a translator. He said, I'm, I am so glad to see a North American team. Because three years ago, a North American team came to my village and came to my house. And through their evangelistic efforts, I trusted in Christ for salvation. Folks, we have a good message, a marvelous message, a message of hope and forgiveness and eternal life through Christ. Not a message for us to hoard for ourselves, but a message that we are called and commissioned and privileged to join together with other believers and, and sharing with all those we encounter. A message that calls us to live missionally, to, to share the message of salvation through Christ in our homes, in our neighborhoods, at the football game, in our offices, and to all those we encounter. 
a message of life and salvation. And I could certainly go on and tell you about others. As I know many of you could as well. I could tell you about Julian and Claudia de Jesus who literally live on the side of a mountain just a few miles from where Ramon lives. Several in this faith family had the opportunity to, to meet and to share prayer with and to talk with and through the faithful witness of some in this very faith family, a couple who gave their lives to Christ. I'll tell you about Arlington and Wilson and Dennis, three young men who living a worldly lifestyle. And many, many good questions about Christianity, about the gospel, about scripture, about what the Bible teaches but who weren't quite ready to repent and trust in Christ for salvation. Representing many that, like those mentioned in Romans chapter 5, verse 16, who, who don't respond to the message of the gospel with saving faith. But folks, our job is not to convert people. God is the one who converts people. Our job is to Participate in the glorious task of sharing the message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Our job is to deliver the message. So let's deliver the gospel message. Let's learn the gospel message. Let's respond to the gospel message. And let's deliver the gospel message to all those we encounter. Our task is like that of a waiter or a waitress. We're to deliver To them, not to alter the message, not to change the message, not to hoard the message, not to sample the message and leave it for ourselves. Our task is to respond to the message and then to share the message, to proclaim the message, to deliver the message with all those we encounter. Paul, as he wrote this letter and as he wrote many others in scriptures, clearly characterized by this urgent, urgent desire to share God's truth with all those he encountered because he believed in the gospel message. And he believed that salvation was only found through Jesus. And he knew that people wouldn't respond to Jesus if they never heard the message of Jesus. What about us? Do we believe the claims of God's word? Folks, we have been given A marvelous message that calls us and compels us and leads us to participate in God's mission. That's you and I and all those who comprise Meadowbrook Baptist Church be found faithful as good stewards of the message that's been entrusted to us. Father, we do thank you for the good news of salvation by grace through faith in And your son, Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life as a substitutionary sacrifice in our place, taking on the punishment that we deserve, your judgment that we deserve because we've fallen short of your perfect standard. Lord, but we thank you that you love us enough, that you desire us to to be found justified, to be found innocent in your sight. But we thank you that we have heard and responded to them 
the gospel message. Lord, may we respond to it each day. May you remind us of it each day. May you draw us to you each day so that we might reorient our lives around knowing you and living for you and declaring your truth. Father, I pray that you would continue to lead us this morning, that you would lead us this day, that we would be your people that that seek you always and respond to the truths of your word. Lord, lead us now as we respond to you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.